0: you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Uh, turn in your Bibles uh, this morning to Matthew six. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we're looking at verse nine through thirteen. Um, <clears throat> so you can turn there. Um, I get to one of the things that's that's really uh, fun about being a pastor is that every week, if you want. You have a captive audience um, to tell stories about your kids to. Um, And uh, I find in my life, maybe you agree, uh, talking about your kids is a lot like talking about your dreams. Like, every detail and every part seems really important to you, (laughs) but to others it is far less so. (laughs) So I apologize, but I'm going to indulge myself. Anyway, um, so as we we get ready to read uh, Matthew, um, this last summer, maybe you, you know, um, uh, Foster and I, our oldest, uh, he's, he's five and a half, this summer he was just barely five, uh, we did something that we had never done before, he and I, we took a cross-country road trip, just the two of us, uh, to my parents' house in Colorado, this is August, and so we piled in, um, in our, our little, uh, this little uh, Pontiac vibe, and we just, hit the road, and it was, it was great, and I kept, every time he'd say he was bored, I'd be like, no, Foster, Foster, it's, it's Foster, Dad, and the open road, and I'd make him say it again and again, and he got really sick of that after the end, but he liked it at first, Um, but so as, as we're going uh, down there, when we'd stop at gas stations, of course, he would be like, hey, Dad, can I get a treat at the gas station, and and I always would say, no, 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 but then by the time we left, he'd have a treat. And so the first treat he got was a little uh, cup of gummy worms, okay, and in full. I mean, it was probably like, I don't know, I mean, not huge, but it was probably like half a pound of gummy worms. And, and I was smart. I was like, I'm not going to let him have the gummy worms or it's going to be a disaster. So I kept him up front with me, uh, and the whole way down, uh, he would ask me for those gummy worms. And he'd be like, Dad, can I have a gummy worm? Fine, okay, and I'd, I'm handing them back to him. And, and I'd give him two or three, and then we'd drive for about 30 minutes, and he'd say, Dad, and I'd say, what? Dad, I'm like, what is it, Vos? You okay? Are you okay? Dad, I have a sugar ache. <laughs> My stomach hurts, and I'm like, oh no, you know, and, and I don't want to stop, right? We're going. We're, we're doing it in one day. We're not stopping, and dad, my stomach hurts, and, and I'd be like, oh, you're okay, dad, I think I'm gonna throw up, I'm like, no, you're okay, you're fine, you're fine, we keep going, and, and believe it or not, right, you, you give it like an hour, and he feels fine, right, and the first thing he says to me is, dad, can I have more gummy worms, <laughs> like, like, the first thing, and, and I've got, oh, there you go, that's him, so that's where we stopped, this is when we stopped and got out, and this is him with his sugar ache, and we waited for a while. And I kid you not, the minute we got back in the car, he finally felt better. He's like, all right, Dad, gummies, gummy time. And, and it just hit me uh, that uh, oftentimes, uh, for, for Foster, uh, but I think for all of us, we don't always know what is best for us, do we? I don't know about you, but I often find myself uh, doing the wrong thing uh, for the right reasons doing things that I think will help, um, whether it's um, you know uh, avoiding somebody I don't feel like talking to or, or, or eating something to make myself feel better or spending money to make myself feel better during the pandemic. Those are the two things that I've done to make myself spend money and eat. Uh, sorry, world. Um, uh, we often do things that we think are going to help, that we think are going to make our lives a little better, that feel good at the time, but right, they end up not making us feel so good. I think oftentimes we eat uh, too many gummy worms when what we probably need is that apple that doesn't seem too interesting. And, and I think um, the prayer, Jesus' prayer, is all about, um, when we pray, it's all about what we're asking God. It's all about our communication with God. Uh, but, but Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer, teaches us what to ask for. Uh, teaches us maybe to not uh, always ask for uh, the, the, gummy, the gummy worms. And so uh, we're going to uh, take a look at that. It should come as no surprise to you, and it comes as no surprise to me, uh, that what we want, that my desire sometimes, that what I think is going to solve my problems, uh, is, is different from what God thinks is going to help. What God thinks is going to make me feel better. What God thinks is going to make me into the person he's trying to make me into. You know, we've talked about this in the prayer uh, that we pray to our Father God who loves us, uh, whose name is holy, right? So we have a God who loves us like a father, but is very different from us, is distinct from us, doesn't always see the world the same way we do. And so often we'll find that what God is offering us is distinct and different uh, from the normal, um, expected, and even common sense assumptions that our world makes, uh, It should come as no surprise to us that the things that feel true, good, and right to us or to me in any given moment aren't always the things that are true and right and good or aren't always the things that are best for us. Uh, because when, when Jesus walked the earth, if you've read the Gospels before, you'll notice that, that what he does like the whole time is he reveals that the way most people understood the world in his day uh, was, was wrong. He, he revealed that kind of our basic common sense just feels true about ideas about the world and God and how we can live in it are, are not quite there. Everywhere Jesus went, he, he showed people a different kind of world than the one they thought they were living in. And when people looked to Jesus, and they did this often, <clears throat> excuse me, they were always trying to get him to take uh, their side in whatever conflict was big in in their life, and and constantly Jesus would refuse to join a team in this dispute because um, their basic assumptions were off. You know, like there's this one time when a man comes up to Jesus and he's like. Jesus, get my relatives to give me my fair share of the inheritance. And, and Jesus uh, refuses to get connected into that story, refuses to jump in and choose a side. Or, or one time, uh, it, it, you might know this, two of Jesus' disciples, uh, one uh, was uh, basically a terrorist, <laughs> but like a revolutionary. One of his disciples was, was what's called a zealot. And he welcomed a zealot, a, a terrorist, a revolutionary, to follow him closely. And his other disciple was a self-interested tax collector. Uh, Jesus refused to jump in and say, uh, you know, I side with you or I side with you. Instead, he said, why don't you guys let go of what it is that you're doing and come follow me instead? Um, When Jesus walked the earth, he didn't avoid uh, choosing a team because he was a conflict avoider. If you've read the Gospels, you know Jesus isn't really a conflict avoider. Uh, he avoids choosing a side because he sees um, both sides and the stories that they're telling about the world in their day are, are wrong. He says, you're missing it. You don't have the whole picture. You think you're right on the right side of history, true and good. But, but here's where you're wrong. And every place he went, he did that. And I fully believe that if Jesus were to walk our earth today, he would look at our sides and we would find him and say, you're on our team, right, Jesus? Oh, no, you're not on their team. And he would say, I'm not on either of your teams, but you can come be on mine. Uh, because human beings, uh, you and me, mostly me, we're, we're always looking to fill our bellies with, with gummy worms. And we're wondering why we don't feel so good and so when Jesus walked the earth, he pointed to something different than joining a team, uh, than the common sense that what seemed right at the time, he called it uh, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He said the kingdom of heaven is arriving onto earth. He said everything that's ever happened in history has led up to this moment. We, we talked about it last week. Uh, I invite you to listen to last week's service on the podcast to learn about that kingdom of heaven Uh, But as Jesus taught about the kingdom, as he talked about this new way of living, uh, uh, the book of Matthew collected all of it in in chapters 6 and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And right smack dab in the middle of Jesus' description of how the world is maybe different then we think he includes our prayer. That's what we're, we're reading today. He said, this is how you can pray if you believe that I've remade the world. This is how you can pray if you believe in a God that's not on your team, but invites you to be transformed by him. And if you want, if you want to be like Jesus or you want to be like his disciples, I encourage you, uh, one easy, like, basic thing you could do to be like an early church Christian would be to pray Jesus' prayer uh, three times a day. That's a basic thing. Almost anybody that followed Jesus in the early church, they they would have done that. And it's important because it challenges us. Every single line of this prayer challenges me and and you. I hope on on your instincts, on our common sense, on our conventional wisdom about the way the world works or should work, and how we should. Live in it. So let's uh, read this challenging prayer. I want you to pray it with me, and we're going to pray it um, not in the, the way that we typically do, but we're going to read it straight out of uh, Matthew. And, and I'm going to look up here to make sure I say it correctly with you. But if you're joining us online, if you're here in the room, uh, let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen? Amen. Uh, so that's our, that's our focus today. Uh, in bold, you can see it. Give us today our daily Bread. I love this because it's, it's short and sweet, but there's a lot packed into there, and we're just going to dive right in. Uh, so, so six words, easy to understand, but I believe these six words turn uh, upside down the way that maybe uh, most of us look at the world, the way that I look at the world um, when I'm not uh, thinking very well. Um, this is our, our focus today. So we want to slow down and hear these words, and we'll find uh, that as we pray them, we're praying something different. Uh, from what most people in our world and in our culture believe, and I believe inside the church, outside the church, kind of all over the place. So, so we're just going to walk through it as kind of old school Bible study ways. We're going to look at the plain meaning of scripture because I think it just, it hits pretty hard. Uh, so we're starting just the first two words, give us. Um, so if we're asking God to give us something, uh, what does uh, what does that imply? If we're asking somebody for something, if I ask um, Molly, for $5, what do I want? I want $5, something for me. Um, I want something for me. Um, I, it also implies, hey, hey, Molly, I don't have enough money to pay for parking. Can I have $5? It, it means I, I need something, right? And so when we pray, give us, um, and what do we ask God for in this line? What are we asking God for? bread. Yes, online you can, you can chime in too. Yeah, we're asking God for bread. So if we're going to ask God for something as basic, as foundational as bread to live, what are we implying by asking that question? I think we're admitting something. I think when we ask God for something as simple as bread to live, especially those of us that live in a world where it's uh, Not hard to imagine that we'll have enough bread every day of the week, but when we ask God for something like that, we're admitting that everything that we have, everything that we use to take care of ourselves, everything that sustains us, everything that we use to meet our basic needs are gifts from God. Uh, That's what we're saying, because if we're going to ask God for our daily bread— The implication is that we need God to provide for us our our basic sustenance. We're dependent on God. That's what we're admitting. And and maybe you're sitting here uh, and you're having trouble with this, and that's that's good. It means you're reading it well because uh, we live in a uh, world, in a culture, where one of our highest values is independence. Uh, The best way that you can be A human being in in this world, in this country, is to be, right, independent. I don't count on anyone for anything. I work hard. I build my house. I provide for my family. That's an important value. It's one of our culture's biggest values, independence. But when we pray the prayer, when we say, give us, we hold our hands out to God, we're implying that the things that we have, that maybe we construct in our minds as our own independence really come in some real way from god they're they're gifts and this is hard because this value of independence is is huge in our culture and i don't care who you are i don't care where you're from uh, the, one of your biggest values that's taught to you from the time you're a little baby is to be independent. Uh, some people in one group, uh, independent uh, means that, you know, freedom comes from being self-sufficient, right? That's, that's independence, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, earning your way, taking care of yourself. So that's, that's one group, and maybe you're listening and you're like, ah, that's not, not really me. I don't, I don't look at the world that way. And, and if you don't, uh, chances are you belong to the other uh, side of the, the independence coin, uh, the other group uh, says, you know, freedom comes from throwing off the expectations of others. Uh, I won't let anyone tell me what to do or what to live. Uh, there's a, a large portion in our culture uh, that, that says the, the idea that anyone, any tradition, any value, any idea of how I should live my life is inherently violent and bad. I have, uh, I I hear of people that wait until their kids are old enough to name themselves, because the idea that you would impose a name on a child is violence. They deserve to be independent. Uh, Independence is everything to us, and in both stories, in all the stories that our culture tells, or many of them, freedom, we believe that freedom comes from being disconnected to everyone, uh, disconnected and separated from everyone, uh, their help, uh, but also their expectations, their rules, and their ideas. But Jesus says the opposite. And when you pray this prayer, you're kind of its sort of like when you're a kid and you say the Pledge of Allegiance every day and you're like, I don't know what any of this means. I know I'm promising to do something uh, and hopefully it's not, a lot, not such a bad idea. But every time you say the prayer, you're, you're kind of making a statement. You're promising. You're saying, you're agreeing with Jesus about the opposite That we find our freedom, that freedom doesn't come from disconnection and independence, that in fact freedom comes from dependence on God. It's a complete opposite. He invites us when we pray, give us our daily bread. We're coming together and saying, God, I need you to provide everything that I need to live. Even my daily bread. And when we can do that, uh, and even uh, the things that make up who I am, even the breath that's in my lungs, when we depend on God together, we're set free from the master of money, and we're set free from chasing our whims and our desires. We believe freedom comes from dependence on the God who made and loves us. So that's the first one. Second one, uh, second uh, little little bit, uh, today. Our daily, uh, today our daily bread— uh, today, our daily, these three words, um, they put our focus uh, every time uh, that the day that we pray, the time that we live our lives, the moment that counts, the chance that we have to, to impact the world, the only time that God ever works in, and the only day that we're capable of serving others in is today. Uh, whenever we pray uh, our daily bread, give us today our daily bread, we imply that God provides for us today, and his call for us is today. And maybe that doesn't seem uh, crazy to you, uh, but I think this is hard for us in our world, in our culture, and really throughout history, uh, because the human tendency, uh, human tendency is to do everything we can to avoid living in today. I don't know about you, but I've spent hours and time of my life uh, looking back to the good old days and the ways things were, and wishing that I could somehow live those moments again, some of us spend hours and months and years sad or happy remembering what happened before. Some of us, to the expense of our todays, spend every day living in yesterday, and maybe that's not you, and and that's great, but you're not off the hook because the others of us that don't live in the past, we tend to put all of our chips and our focus on tomorrow, and you can either do this in a in a anxious way or in a happy way. You can say, oh man, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. How am I going to get through tomorrow? You can put all of your anxiety, when is this going to happen? Am I going to catch the virus? Is my my, I'm going to lose my job, but whatever it is. You can put all your focus on tomorrow in a bad way, or you can put it in a good way. You know, I, I do this one. Well, don't worry. I know that's a problem, but, but tomorrow it'll be better. I'll call that person tomorrow. I'll reach out to that person tomorrow. I'll write that thing tomorrow. I'll solve that problem tomorrow. I'll give uh, to them tomorrow once I have my stuff figured out. But in both stories, regardless of what story we're telling ourselves, our lives are pulled from the only place that God really works, the only place that God really hears us, and the only place that life can be lived, the moment. And so as we pray these six words, this line, we acknowledge and remember our utter dependence on God, and we bring our focus back to the only time that matters, the only time when we can serve somebody, the only time when we can care for somebody, the only time that God can transform us, and that Day is not someday, but it's today. And so we got one last one last silly word, uh, uh, bread. Um, talked about this one a little bit already, but but we've we've got our, our last word, bread. Uh, and the question is, right? What are we what are we asking for when we ask God for our bread? What's what are we hoping for? We talked about it a little bit. Any ideas? What are we asking for with bread? Our sustenance. What are we asking for with bread? With you, ask God. God, give me my daily bread, life, the breath in your lungs, the food to sustain you. Um, bread is actually a really special word in the Bible. Um, it's a special concept, and, and probably because it's so basic, right? Because it's in the Bible. The Bible talks about bread like like Joanne was saying, as the basic, sustaining um, uh, thing that you need to live. Um, if, you, if you've got bread, and you've got water, and you've got air, you can live. And so, uh, in the Bible, the bread's all over the place as that, this, this staple. Uh, it's a mark of life. Um, for example, when God's people were wandering in the desert for 40 years uh, to survive their exile, God gave them, right, daily bread. Every day, uh, bread showed up on the ground, manna from heaven, and that's how they lived, how they depended on God during that time. Uh, and so there's that physical aspect, but there's also more to it than that, isn't there? Um, uh, for example, in the gospel, Jesus uh, called himself the bread of life. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, um, when we eat the bread, and we'll do this next, next week, um, we say that it is Jesus' body broken for us. And, and I don't know about you, but that bread of life that we eat uh, on Communion Sunday, it would be tough to live your life eating just that, right? <laughs> uh, the point of that meal is certainly not to sustain us uh, physically for that day, and that's because in the Bible, um, bread is one of those things that has uh, a, a double meaning. It's sort of two-sided um, because it holds a profoundly, uh, a profoundly spiritual meaning, doesn't it? When Jesus said he is the bread of life or take and eat, this is my body, he did not intend for the disciples to live by physically, we're not even going to go down there. He doesn't want that to happen. Um, uh, It's spiritual and physical. And if you're honest, you know what it means to not have the things for your physical needs. And you probably know what it means to not have your spiritual needs either. Uh, You know what it means. I know what it means to be hungry for something that isn't food and what it means to be hungry for the physical things that we need to live. When we eat the Lord's Supper, we do both, right? We eat a physical thing, but we believe that God is sustaining us in a way that goes beyond our physical lives. And when we pray the prayer, Jesus invites us to bring all of these kinds of needs to God, all of this basic uh, spiritual and physical needs to him. Um, both our faith and our regular lives, both Sunday morning and Monday morning, um, church and community, uh, church and our world are not meant to be separated. They're not meant to be kept apart, though often we try, don't we? The human tendency, and, and mine included, um, is to separate our spiritual needs from our physical needs, to say these things are separate and you can take care of one and you can leave the other alone and that's okay. Um, There are some people, um, some people and even in the church, that believe that we can care for somebody's physical needs, we can help someone who needs help, and they'll, they'll, their lives will get better, and it'll be good for them, um, and we don't have to worry about their spiritual hungers. All we got to do is make sure someone's belly is fed, and everything will be okay. Or, or on the other side, uh, and, and this happens often in the church, uh, we think um, the real hunger of the poor, or the hurt, or the oppressed is is for God. It's a spiritual hunger. We think we can care for somebody's soul without worrying about their body, but the reality is that both miss the mark. We are whole creatures. We are spirit and body, and the prayer, it pulls us back to that reality. It reminds us when we come before God that we bring to him our physical and our spiritual hungers, and that we're responsible, because if we're going to ask God to provide this for us, we're responsible as the body of Christ, as his hands and feet in the world, to care about the spiritual and physical hungers of those he puts in our path. My friends, we are always tempted towards the left or the right of what uh, God describes his world as. We're always tempted to go off in one direction or the other. It's always easier to. But the prayer invites us daily to live in God's kingdom, dependent on him, planted right here On earth. Give us today our daily bread. And it may be hard to believe, um, but the only way um, that we can do this is is by God's uh, grace and the constant reminder of the prayer. The the only way that we can live our lives today uh, dependent on God and, and caring for the physical and spiritual needs of ourselves. And others is to let God change us because otherwise we're just gonna keep doing what feels right and and falling off on one side or the other. We have to allow the Spirit to reshape us. We pray the prayer until we believe it. This week I want to invite you to to pray the prayer. I want to invite you to do it every day. And and when you do, when you get to when you get to this line, I want you to write out the answers to, to two questions. That'll help us, help us just a challenge to help us act out the prayer. Uh, The two questions, you know, one would be, what do I need from God today, physically and spiritually? Um, If you've got a long list of things, that's great. If you have a one thing, that's great too. But as you wake up in the morning, you pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread. You say, okay, what is that today? What is the thing that I need? What is the thing that's on my mind, the real physical thing that's on my mind that I need God's help with? And what is the spiritual hunger? What is the way that I want God to work in me? Whatever that is, write those things down. And then the second thing is is to ask this question and write down the answer. Who is God calling me to be an answered prayer to? And I'm gonna add one word to that, today. Because all of you in this church are gonna be praying this prayer Um, and others might too, and they might be praying for other things, and so we ask ourselves, we ask God, we say, God, whose prayer do you want to use me to, to help with? Maybe it's somebody that you care about that you know is grieving and could use a phone call. Maybe it's somebody you run into during the day that needs a little help with something else. Whatever it is, just ask God today, um, who do you want me to be an answered prayer to? Someone uh, did this for me last Friday. I was having a, Friday it was my day off, and it was kind of, I don't know, I was just having a rough day. I was stressed out about physical and spiritual things, right? The prayer stuff. And one of my mentors texted me. He said, hey, hey, Todd, do you have time to talk today? And I'm like, what do you want? You know, like, am I, he is one of my mentors at the at the denomination. And so I'm like, did I, am I in trouble? Did I, like, do something wrong? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, like as soon as you want to talk, let me know. And he called and just was like, hey, how's it doing? How's it going? I want to pray for you. And it transformed my day. God used him to step in and be his presence in meeting my physical and spiritual needs. Uh, So I invite you, encourage you, challenge you to do that because um, as we pray this prayer, as God works, as God transforms us, uh, I really wonder, you know, what would it be like if we really started to rely on God for all of our needs, if we really believed the good gifts we had came from Him, if we really believed that our spiritual hungers could be met by Him, what would it look like if we saw the things we had as gifts from God meant to be used to bless others? Because every time we pray, we're invited to consider that. Every time we pray, we ask God to change our understanding. And, and Jesus, if you've read the Gospels, he, he actually lived this prayer out uh, every day in his life. Every step that he took was dependent on God's leadership and God's call. Everything that he did was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and as Jesus walked the earth, he just poured out care and blessing on others. Uh, he didn't get dragged down into these uh, individual conflicts. Instead, he showed something different. Um, and what happened, you know the story of Jesus, so Jesus went around loving people, teaching people, pouring into people, and, and eventually, uh, if, as his prize for that, as his reward for that, uh, everybody rose up, and they captured him, <laughs> and they and they hung him on a cross, and you might think um, that was the end of his dependence on God. You might think uh, that that's exactly what happens to people who do something as foolish as depending on on God, but three days later, He rose again from the dead and proved where the true source of life and bread physically and spiritually is. So, today we are invited to admit our need and our failure to put our faith in Him and to be made into new kingdom people depending on our Maker and transformed by the Holy Spirit. So, may we admit our dependence on God's daily bread. May we accept our role as the body of Christ in providing for others. And if we do, we'll find that freedom comes not at the end of our disconnection from others, but the more we embrace and acknowledge our dependence on God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we need you to change us Because when we look at our world, the gummy worms seem like they're going to fill our bellies. They seem like rational right choices. They seem like common sense. But every time we fall down one of those sides and we fill up our bellies with gummy worms, Lord, we get a sugar ache. In fact, uh, it, it messes our lives up and it messes up the lives of others and it seems like no matter how hard we try, we can't figure out what it is we're supposed to be doing and where something better is. But it's in you. So we admit our need. We put our faith in you who sent your son to live and die and rise again on our behalf to take away our sin and our failure, to heal what's broken in us and make us new. We pray, Lord, that you would make us new by your Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCov.org. Thanks and have a great week.